0: Our faith is built on what we know, not just on what we think or assume. This simple idea has been our foundational thought in every single installment of this series, I know that I know. If you're new with us today, welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here. So glad you're listening to this podcast or watching it, church online, uh, catching a sermon on YouTube, however and wherever you may be grabbing this. But we are in what is now the fourth installment of a series where we have been brick by brick, learning and discovering and exploring what we need to know that we know, so our faith can be strong in whether whatever this life may throw at it. And what we've been doing throughout this series, for those of you who are new, you may not know this, or there's no way you would know this, but those of you who are regulars, maybe you forgot. We have been focusing in on single verses, just one primary clear verse, where we've been trying to really do deep work and unpack it so that we understand it. Not just to have the words there, but to understand it and then take it a step further to actually memorize it to like the psalmist says, to hide God's word in our heart. And then ultimately, so that we would be people who believe it. We wouldn't just have these thoughts. There wouldn't just be these sayings or phrases out there, but we would believe it in the core of who we are, because that friend, when we understand it and memorize it and believe it, that's when we know that we know. And so today I want to jump right in to our fourth verse in this series. If you've missed any of these, you can listen to the podcast. You can watch these sermons on YouTube. I would highly recommend for those of you who are uh, connecting into all God is doing here at Believing, you watch at least the second half of part three. It will happen where we shared vision, exciting news connected to the work we're doing called Yellow House as well. So if you missed that, do yourself a favor and listen to that. But today we got to carry forward. We're going to memorize another verse. There's a download available on our website at believing.church where you can download this week's scripture verse to have it right there as wallpaper on your computer or on your phone. But what is that scripture you might say? well it is matthew chapter 6 verse 33 matthew chapter 6 verse 33 makes a uh, a pretty powerful promise underneath very clear instruction these are the words of jesus and we're going to unpack it as we go you know that but let's lean into god's word together matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness All these things will be provided for you. That's the whole verse. That's all we got. One more time, as we've been doing throughout this series, here's that verse again. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be provided for you. You know, everybody has priorities. The type A people and the more passive people. We all have priorities. Some of us just do a, a louder job of letting other people know our priorities. But everybody's got priorities. Every one of you watching right now, every one of you listening, you have, you have priorities even with your engagement in the church, the engagement in this service, your engagement even with the sermon. Some of you are listening to this sermon today and your priority is to be encouraged by God's word, or maybe your priority is simply to check off the fact that you did something spiritual this week, or maybe the priority for you is to to investigate, is this something, is this some teaching, is this some place that I might, my family might, me and my friends might be able to assimilate ourselves into. We all have different priorities. Some of you, your priority is saying, God, whatever you want to say to me today, I'm willing i'm open i'm available i'm able speak to me today we all have different priorities people have different priorities even that come to the church whether they come online like maybe many of you are doing right now or they come in person to one of our services or come by our facility and interact throughout the week people have different priorities with why they come i see this firsthand every single week see some of you know this but um, where our physical location is, is positioned in Memphis, there's a lot of need around us. Uh, a lot of people who live um, with a lot of insecurity about some of the more basic things in life. And by basic, I don't mean inconsequential, I mean basic as in foundational. They, they, they live with, without consistent confidence of shelter. Or consistent confidence of food they 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 don't know what they're gonna eat next week much less tonight and because of that we have lots and lots of relationships with lots and lots of people that look very different than maybe some of you would presume for a typical church setting I mean On a weekly basis, we interact with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that will not listen to this podcast, that will not watch this sermon on YouTube, that will not gather in a service, but every week we serve them. Every week, we know their names, they know our names. This is a place for them where they receive from. And we love doing it. God God has called us and burdened us and created us to serve and to build a church that looks differently, but is necessary in this community and uh, and we love it. But I, if I'm being honest with you, uh the truth is there are some people's priorities that when I interact with them, like it it, it takes the holy spirit <laughs> it takes it takes all of God in me not to not to pop back at people and if I'm being honest, sometimes I do pop back. Is that okay with you? Like uh, we have many people who will come by our facility during the week because they know that there's food being served. We serve hundreds of meals every day uh, out the front of our building. We we serve thousands of pounds of free groceries. We have uh, opportunities at events where 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 meals might be served and there might be leftovers. And so there there are people who come by and, and 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 knock on our door and ring our door constantly looking for food for themselves. Some of them may even live on the street and there's a there's a guy comes by and I think he sees me, <laughs> I think he sees our, our, our church facility here as like a vending machine for him. Which there are many people that do that. There are, there are dozens of families every single day that line up before three o'clock to be able to get meals for their kids like right at the, like like I understand and it, it's okay. I think the reason that this particular gentleman bothers me, and if a, I'm sorry if the, you, you got a problem with a preacher getting bothered, this preacher gets bothered, okay, so just know. Uh, but the reason it bothers me is this particular uh, gentleman doesn't just want food uh, right now, like this is Burger King, he can have it his way right away, but, but he, maybe this won't bother you, it bothers me. We have a doorbell on our building, and this brother will ring the doorbell like over and over and over and over again until literally he sees myself or someone else. Now listen, I ain't got no problem serving anybody. I'm not above serving anybody. But there is something about the tone of the doorbell being rung over and over and over and over again that makes me not want to come to the door and serve somebody whom I need something with gladness. But it may want me to serve him something because you know I'm kind of a big guy. He ain't really a big guy. It maybe wants me to serve him in another way. If you know what I'm saying, like like I am, because his priority, my priorities are different. His priority for. Coming by our place is not to encounter the living God, is not to worship, is not to say thank you, is not to even just simply be. It's like it's like there's this demand and it's the priority that I see in him is just it's bothersome to me. This may bother you, but there are people in our community that I can tell by their appearance in and around our facility that they want something from us. In fact, I was uh, waiting on somebody to get their coffee. We were meeting over at the Starbucks. It's just a couple doors down from our church here earlier this week. And while I was sitting there waiting on them to get the coffee for us to meet, I saw uh, I saw this gentleman walk into there's like a Chipotle next door. and I saw him walk into the Chipotle and he didn't see me. But I recognized him because we have served and helped his family many, many times. And he has this same song and dance. He will come by for a week, make sure that he sees me in person in a Sunday service and then follow up by calling the church that week, explaining why he needs help with MLGNW bill or needs help with with, with rent or, or something like that. And again, we have helped many, many times, but there's always this like big talk. And then there have been many times where we've we've helped with an MLGNW bill and. May come back the next week, say thank you so much, talk about how, how excited they are for the church, and then disappear for six months. Until they have a thing that matters to them again to come back by. Now some of you may be grossed out by what I'm saying, or you may be bothered by it, or why do you even see it this way? I thought we'd just help people. Hear me. I'm trying to help you see priorities. That not everybody's priorities are always the same, including yours. Including yours interacting with God. But if there's anybody in all of creation, in all of human history, who has been consistent with their stance on priorities and prioritization of things, it is God. God has been eternally consistent in this fact and this fact alone that He will be first or He won't be God to you. That's the way He rose. When Jesus says, Seek first, this was not a news flash. God said, I will either be first or I won't be God to you. I mean, you could literally take a Bible, like if you have a physical Bible, maybe you got one sitting there at the house on a coffee table. You can take a physical Bible and just drop it open anywhere you want and point your finger to a section of what's going on there. And it is impossible for you to find a place where God says, you know what? It's okay that you don't prioritize me the way I want to be prioritized. I'm cool with being third in your life. You won't find it. I mean, literally from the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter three. The first man and the first woman, they, they, they fall. Sin enters the world. Why? Because they decided to prioritize the word coming out of the serpent more than they prioritize the word that came out of the mouth of God. They said, God, you will not be first. We're going to trust what this serpent says more than we trust you because we think maybe you don't have our best interest in mind. Next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, we read the story of Cain and Abel who both brought offerings to God. Abel's offering was accepted because he gave God his first and his best. Cain's offering was rejected because he gave God his leftovers. And God said, I have accepted Abel's offering because he put me first. And Cain's I have rejected because he did not put me first. You skip a few pages, you find yourself in the Ten Commandments, and Moses is leading people out of captivity in Egypt, and God gives them law, commandments, and Moses literally walks down from the mountain on stone tablets, the what we call the Ten Commandments, the, the overview of the law of God. And the first one, not the sixth one, not the ninth one, so you may forget where it was, the first one, Ten Commandment number one you will have no other gods before me. Whether you look into the judges, the, the kings of Israel, the prophets, you find what God is not cool with being anything else but first. Even Jesus, when he was calling his disciples, he, he would see them out fishing and he would say, drop your nets and come follow me. And those that dropped their nets and followed him and said, I will now put you first, he accepted his disciples. Those who pushed back, you say, people pushed back? Yeah, do you remember the rich young ruler? Jesus looked his brother in the eye and said, come follow me, go sell all you have and follow me. And he said, I can't do that, you know, I got a lot of stuff. Seek first, somebody in that chat type, seek first. See, God I need you to understand today before we dive into the understanding of this for our lives and the application of this and the promise that Jesus makes for us. God is not trying to vibe for position. He's first or he ain't God to you. He his priority has been clear since the foundation of the world. He will be first or he won't be God. Seek first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. There were two instructions Jesus gave here in Matthew chapter six. Two instructions that Jesus said, hey, this is what God wants of you. And can I tell you something today, friend, wherever you are, however you are, this is what he wants of you today, too. God wants it. You can write this down if you're taking notes today. God wants us to prioritize the kingdom of God. That's what God wants. He wants for you. He wants for me. He wants for all those who would say he is our God. He is our strength. He's the one that we worship. We are Christian. He would want all of us to prioritize the kingdom of God. Now, even that expression might sound a little different to you right because even today a lot of people don't talk about the kingdom of God but Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot yet most people are still confused by it because they think the kingdom of God means heaven that is not what the kingdom of God means they think the kingdom of God is the church that is not what the kingdom of God means they think the kingdom of God is 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 some uh divine dictatorship but no Kingdom, in Jesus's mind, had a very different application and understanding than what most of us would think of when we think of kingdom. When we think of kingdom, we think of territory. We think of boundary lines. We think of over there, that's not our territory, but right here, this is our kingdom. But Jesus would have understood kingdom not in area, but in authority, See, kingdoms in Jesus's day had authority over places that they may not try to like go in and change everything to the area that's there. But it's who was in charge. When Jesus is speaking of the kingdom of God, he is speaking of the people and the place where God is in control. And what he's telling us is to seek the authority of God over all things. Starting with yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God. Which leads us wondering, like, well, has the kingdom of God, like, come then? Because Jesus said, like, like, it has, but I don't even know what that means. To see. I understand that it's tricky, but maybe I can help illustrate it in, in the best way I can. The kingdom of God is already and not yet at the same time. It's already, and it's not yet. Think of it like engagement and a marriage. When two people get engaged, there is a commitment they have to one another. And in many ways, if you see people who are engaged, talk with people who are engaged, you got some friends who are engaged, you'll find they actually start acting almost like they're married, right? They start talking about, they make plans like they're married. They start combining things. They may start combining resources. They may start combining things. They may be like, all right, we need to sell that couch because we ain't going to need that when we move. Like, like, like they start combining things. Their lives start being intertwined. One person's work schedule, another person's work schedule start affecting one another because I want to be off when you're off because I want to be able to spend time with you. And they're not married yet, the marriage hasn't been uh, ratified and consummated, and a minister has not said, I now present husband and wife. You may now like, that hadn't happened yet, but yet there's a lot of married life things that start to go on with an engaged couple. It's like already, but also not yet. It's like being pregnant and parenthood. When when a mother is pregnant, she is in one way a parent and another way not a parent. There are decisions she begins to make about her own life and her own body to protect the baby like a good parent would. I remember when my wife was pregnant, like she stopped drinking coffee because apparently coffee is bad for the baby. Listen, I am glad that women's is the one to get pregnant. I'll just tell you that right now. I don't know if I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but she stopped drinking coffee. There were other things. She was like, okay, I can't eat this and I don't need to have that. I need to have more of this. And she started adjusting her life and adjusting her sleep and adjusting what she would take and thinking about what she was doing and what she wouldn't do based on herself and the one she was carrying. Now, is she a parent yet in the sense that a lot of us think of parenthood? Like here this little kid and these little children running around and we care for them? Well, not, not yet because you, I guess, technically become a, a, a parent in most of our minds through a definitional sense. You become a parent when that baby pops out. But yet, like, you're also already a parent when that baby is still in the womb. Already and not yet. When it comes to the kingdom of God, there will be a day. Please hear me. The scriptures make it painstakingly clear. When God will be king, when you will not worry about who your state representative is or who the mayor is or the president is or who got seated on a throne in another country. You ain't gonna worry about none of that kind of stuff because God will be king and God will rule and God will reign. Literally God himself. But for now, believers, people of faith choose to operate under his authority by prioritizing his kingdom now. We choose to live under his authority, even though you don't necessarily have to. Is already here among the people of God, but not yet kingdom of God. God wants us to prioritize the kingdom of God. And when we do this, please catch me. This affects every area of your life on every level of your life. If you're dating, the kingdom of God, the authority of God is supposed to affect the way you date. You don't date like everybody else date. You don't date like TikTok teaches you to date. <laughs> you date like God says date. You date like his word says date. There are things you do and things you don't do. Things you prioritize and things you don't prioritize because you subject yourself to his authority. Seek first his kingdom. You come under his authority come under his authority affects the way that you use your money. We don't use our money like people who don't have faith, don't have hope. We we actually leverage our resources and steward them in ways that seem crazy and foreign to other people. But it's because we're under the authority of God. We treat people that we work with differently. Like when I put myself under the authority of God, it, it changes the way I treat people. Treat people I like and people I don't like. People I enjoy being around and people who ring the doorbell too many daggone times. You know what i say? Like, it, it affects the way I treat all people. It affects the way you vote. I don't vote based on party. I vote based on the authority of God. I seek first his kingdom. Affects the way I interact with people in person and online. Literally everything. Because God's authority is your first authority or you're not under his authority. Let me say that again. God's authority is your first authority or you are not under his authority. You see, what a lot of us do to try to skirt our way around the authority of God in and over our lives is we, is we do what kids do sometimes when they try to go ask mom after they've asked dad. You know what I'm saying? Is this, have you ever seen this happen? Did you do this? Do you do this? Those of you that are still living with mom? Like, like, have you experienced this? Where maybe one parent will, will give you a response you didn't want to hear? Can I go out tonight? No, you can't go out tonight. You've been out two nights this week already. No, you can't go out tonight. You're gonna stay at the house. Or no, it's a school night. You can't do that. And so you hear something you don't wanna hear, and so what you do is you go ask somebody else in a household that has authority. You go ask mom and be like, mom, you think I can You think I can go out tonight? Yeah, yeah that's, that, I think that's probably fine. And you run with that, even though you'd heard something different from your other parent. You've seen this done, even if you hadn't done it. A lot of us do this with God. A lot of us do this with coming under the authority of God. Because there are parts of his word that he has made painstakingly clear. This is what it means to fall in line, to come up under my authority. This is what it means to operate, to live in my kingdom. This is how I want you to do this thing. And we don't like it. We don't like it because it's inconvenient to us. We don't like it because it feels so abnormal to us. We don't like it because ain't nobody really lived this way anymore. And this feels, we'll call it stodgy. This feels like a prude. This feels so old fashioned. I ain't really gonna do this. I don't really believe that God has to have this or God really wants this. It doesn't matter if I go to church. It doesn't matter if I give. It doesn't matter if I serve. It doesn't matter if I pray. That's not really what matters. And we tell ourselves these things, even though they go against what God's word says. But what we do to pacify ourselves is we find somebody who will tell us what we want to hear, who seems to be an authority. Maybe they call themselves a minister. Maybe they say they're a pastor. Maybe they got a podcast. Maybe they, maybe they decide that they are going to share spiritual thoughts and they will tell us what we want to hear. And rather than lean into the authority of God, rather than seek first his kingdom, rather than subject ourselves to his authority, we say, oh, I found a different opinion and I'm going to go with that. But God wants us to prioritize the kingdom of God. The funny thing is, when you're doing this, (laughs) you're trying to be in charge. That's what happens in the household where the kid asks one parent and hears something they don't like. Ask the other one to try to see if they get the kid is trying to be in charge. And you cannot prioritize the kingdom while trying to play king. You can't prioritize the kingdom of God and say his kingdom comes first. His will comes first. You can't prioritize his kingdom while you trying to be king. But that's the way a lot of us live our lives. I'm going to do what I want. I deserve this. I deserve to act like this. I deserve to go there. I deserve to have this. Baby, I'm grown now. I can do what I want. This is my truth, and I'm going to live this thing out. It's his authority over all things. We seek first the kingdom of God. We prioritize his kingdom, because he wants us to. But there's another thing Jesus makes very, very clear that God wants. God not only wants us to prioritize the kingdom of God, but God also wants, you can write this down too if you're taking notes, God wants us to practice the righteousness of God. He wants us to prioritize the kingdom of God and practice the righteousness of God. Now, this is not a call to try to attain salvation through your own effort or works. Not that at all. Because salvation is a free gift. But it is a call to live our lives under the authority of God's will, his word, and his ways. To walk in the way of Jesus. To the things that God has said are right, his righteousness seek that seek to do things the way God says do it. so it's not just I put myself under his authority but I actually practically try to walk out what he has said do and what he says is right I believe is right and what he says is wrong I believe is wrong see God has a way but we don't always like God's way even those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus we know God has a way. We just don't always like God's way. Because when someone offends you, there is a way to handle that. And there is God's way to handle it. And then there's the way you can garner support if you share your grievance on Facebooks. You know what I'm saying? There is a way to handle offense that is following the righteousness of God. That is seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then there's a way where it's just all about you, boo. God wants us to practice to do the righteousness of God. God has a way. We don't always like God's way. This is true with how you treat people. Treat people that you enjoy and treat people you don't enjoy. There is a way. And that way isn't just nice to tease. I'm so tired of people of faith thinking that somehow the 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 godly thing is to just be nice. No, no, no. Jesus said be wise as a serpent and tender as a dove. It's a both and baby. But there are also some ways that we treat people who maybe don't look like us or maybe don't think like us or maybe don't worship like us. Or maybe don't leverage their resources like us, or maybe don't have as many resources as us, or maybe have a lot more resources than us, and we treat them differently because of these things. and that is not of God. That is not of His righteousness. God has a way. We don't always like His way. He has a way He wants us to use our resources. Somebody like, "Oh, he about to talk about giving. Well, that's actually part of it, because the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve. God so loved the world that he gave. Would you believe me if I told you that's really just the beginning of it? Like the, the Bible actually teaches us that there are um, like reserves in the house of godly people. Godly people do not consume all that they take in. Now, that sounds crazy because that means that you can't have as big of a house as you can possibly, potentially, maximizingly afford or that you don't necessarily get brand new clothes every single day. Or that you don't necessarily like, always get to eat at the fanciest restaurants. Or that you don't always get to have all the newest things or drive all the latest. Like, like sometimes we use our money differently because part of what godly people do is they store. In fact, it actually says that godly people are always able and ready to, to help other people. Huh? Like God has a way that we are to use our resources. We're not supposed to put our trust in Our resources, because some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we, people of God, trust in the name of the Lord our God. We don't trust in our resources, we trust in Him. God has a way, but we don't always like that way. God has a way we are to view sex and sexuality. We don't always like what God says, we don't always agree with what we see. But God wants us to practice. The righteousness of God. What we want to do is push back. I think often about this statement by Mark Twain. At least he was given credit for it. To be honest, I don't even know if he was really the one who said it, but he's the one who most commonly gets credit for it. So we're going to credit you, Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's those parts that I do understand I think sometimes when we approach the scriptures, we, 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 we like to throw up red flags because we don't really understand what's going on with the sixth bowl in the book of Revelation. Or we don't really understand what Ezekiel was meaning really with, by everything that he talked about because Ezekiel seemed to be high as a kite. Like we don't really understand what's going on in the second half of the book of Daniel. And we don't really understand uh, about all the plagues. And we don't really understand about some of these laws, actually most of these laws. And we don't really understand like why all these people be dying and why it be so bloody in the Old Testament. And we don't really understand. We don't understand. So sometimes we use that to push you back because we do understand love my neighbor as myself, but we also know our neighbor and we don't like our neighbor. We also understand like if someone like asks you to go one mile, you go the second mile and don't even ask about it. We understand that, we just don't want to do but we seek first, Jesus said, his kingdom and his righteousness, because his righteousness should be greater of a priority to us than my passions. Whatever it is I'm passionate about, whatever it is that makes, makes me just filled with such desire. Listen, his 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 way, his righteousness should be greater of a priority to us than my passions and his righteousness should be a greater priority than my perspectives. Regardless of what I see or regardless of what I think, what God has said has to, should, it ought to come first. We must make doing what God says is right our priority. See, that's, friend, why we live by what we know, not by what we feel. Because your word, the writer in the psalmist says, is truth. Not my interpretation of your word what god has said and what god wants that is what we prioritize in all seasons seek first his kingdom and his righteousness now to some of you everything i have said up to now sounds very um legalistic if i'm being honest i get that which may garner a very logical question Why would anyone do this? (laughs) Like, why would anyone who would disagree with what God said actually prioritize what God said? Or why would anyone who have questions with their astute 21st century brain and all the intellect and all the study and all the knowledge and all the videos you've watched to help you garner your very strong opinions? Why would anyone push back? Well, Why would anyone do this? Well, Jesus said it right there. And I want to make it so painstakingly clear. You can't miss it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you as well. Why would anyone do this? Why would anyone prioritize the kingdom of God and practice the righteousness of God? It's because God promises, promises provision. God says, I'm going to take care of you. The people who seek first my kingdom, I got you. The people who practice my righteousness, I got you. Specifically, if you read Matthew chapter 6, it is a promise from God to make sure you have what you need to live. Like you can't read the context that is Matthew 6 and land at any other logical or theological conclusion. You see, Jesus, right before we get into the meat of this, Jesus is talking about God and possessions. It's where several verses earlier, he actually says you can't serve God and mammon. Not God and money, as many people say. God and mammon. Mammon is a spirit on money that keeps you broke. You didn't realize that. Mammon is a spirit on money that keeps you greedy. Mammon is a spirit on money that thinks that you have to consume all that you take in. Mammon is the reason you don't have margin in your life. Mammon is the reason you don't think you can be generous. It has nothing to do with money. Money's a tool. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. And until you break mammon, you'll always try to trust in mammon. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's why Jesus, what he's teaching here, is the, the cure, the antidote to, to break mammon off of your life is to be generous. Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what Jesus said. And it leads Jesus into this little discourse, it's only a couple of verses long, where he starts to challenge people and say, listen, listen, you, 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 you shouldn't live like people who, don't believe in God live. He said, people that don't believe in God spend all of their time and all of their energy, all of their resources, worrying about where they're going to stay and, and what clothes they're going to wear, what food they're going to eat. What they're gonna, they, they worry about all of these material things. And Jesus literally says, you can read, it's right before our key verse for today. Jesus literally says, don't be like that. Don't worry about that. And then he brings illustration to this idea by telling them to take a look for a second at the birds in the air and the flowers in the field. He says, think about the birds in the air for a second. They always have what they need. But he said, they ain't stressed. They ain't worried about their retirement funds. <laughs> they, they, they ain't worried about, oh, they ain't worried about trying to get some overtime. There's a contentment on them because God provides for them. He says, look out at the, the flowers in the field. The Solomon in all his splendor. He's illustrating for something in their mind that they would have understood. Like the beauty of Solomon in his temple. All the money, all the resources. He said it wasn't as beautiful as these wildflowers. He says, and they just, and God takes care of them. Ain't nobody plant them. Nobody fertilizing them. I lived in Dallas for several years. It's where I went to seminary. and. Dallas has seasons like we do, like made-up seasons, you know what I'm saying? And uh, they have this season, typically it's in the spring if my memory serves me right, that was just commonly referred to around the city as bluebonnet season. And what would happen for two or three weeks, literally not for very long, think of it almost like azaleas will pop up and then they'll go away, like they'll bloom and then the rest of the year they're just these green bushes. Bluebonnet season would happen and literally, it felt like all of the undeveloped, untouched land would just be covered with these bright blue flowers, just in it, so tightly packed, just gorgeous. And it's always windy in Dallas. So you'd see them, they're kind of tall, and they kind of just be fluttering in the wind. It's beautiful. In fact, what people do in Dallas during blue bonnet season is they put themselves on a sundress. It's a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon. They put themselves on a sundress or something that feels very springy, and they will go out there and and take pictures in the blue bonnets. And these will be their family photos. These will be their Christmas cards. These will be the you'll, you'll see professional photographers out with these families taking pictures with the blue bonnets. But here's what's interesting. Do you know where you find the majority of blue bonnets in Dallas? Because there isn't a whole lot of undeveloped land. You find it on the medians of the interstate. So like literally you've got an interstate with four lanes going east and four lanes going west separated by a little track of land and for two or three weeks in the spring, AKA bluebonnet season, it is filled with bluebonnets and you will, this is no exaggeration, you will see Car after car after car after car parked on the side of an interstate where people are driving faster than a You think people drive fast on 240? Maybe in, in Texas the posted speed limit is 80 miles an hour. Okay, like people go fast, okay? And, and you will see people willingly, not because that car broke down, willingly pull over onto the shoulder, park, get out with a professional photographer and go be taking pictures in the middle of the median of the interstate. It sounds crazy to you until you see the blue bonnets. But nobody plants the bluebonnets. Nobody fertilizes the bluebonnets. Nobody comes through and prunes and trips and cleans. like the bluebonnets just are there. It's not like the city sends out watering trucks if they go a week without rain. No, no, no. They're just there. And they're beautiful, so beautiful that people reschedule their plans. People create photo opportunities to have pictures in the blue bonnets. And when I hear Jesus talking about these wildflowers that are so beautiful, that's what I picture. God caring for them. God creating something and caring for something that would stop people in their tracks That would cause them to pull the e-brake on their schedule. That would put themselves parking their car in a dangerous spot only to be able to take a picture in a cropped picture in a field of blue bonnets. God can provide for you just like that. God can provide for you just like that. Just like the flowers in a field that are so gorgeous, people will stop, rearrange. God can provide for you just like that. But please don't get this twisted. Prioritizing precedes provision. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness, and then all these things will be provided for you. Prioritizing precedes provision. If God's kingdom is your priority, he has promised to provide for you. If God's righteousness is your practice, God has promised to provide for you. And if I'm being honest, for most of us, that sounds a little too good to be true, because everyone, constantly worries about their provision you know that's what's common about every person listening to me right now i don't care where you live i don't care how you live i don't care whether you 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 stay at the house by yourself you got a big family you're trying it does not matter everyone worries about their provision no matter if you work part-time or if you own your own business Doesn't matter if that direct deposit hits every other week in the exact same amount and you can count on it like you can count on the sun coming up. Or if literally right now you're trying to scrounge up a few dollars so you can have something to eat later today. Can I tell you what we all have in common is we worry about our provision. We think about it. We stress over it. It occupies our mind. You know where stress comes though, right? Stress comes when you don't have what you seek. You get stressed out when you're looking for your keys and you don't know where your keys are. You get stressed out if you got a child and you're trying to leave the playground and you can't can't find your your child anywhere. You get stressed out because you don't have what you seek. In my Bible, literally this section where Jesus is teaching this is called the cure for anxiety. Can I tell you, do you know why you're anxious? Do you know why there's such stress in you about your own provision? You're seeking the wrong thing. You seek what the source supplies. And because you seek what the source is supposed to supply, now you are your own source. And you will worry as long as you're your source you will worry about your provision as long as you are your provider you will stress about your sustenance as long as you are your own source i don't know if you've ever lived in somebody's house or can think back to when you were a kid growing up but when you live in somebody else's house (laughs) you don't worry about the basics right you don't worry about paper towels paper towels just be there Right? And if somebody spills something, you'll grab 75 paper towels, as long as you're not paying for the paper towels, to wipe that thing up. When you don't have to buy your own toothpaste, when when, when, it seems like it's getting a little low, you holler out and be like, Mom, I need a new toothpaste. And Mom tries to get you a new toothpaste. But when you have to take on the responsibility to provide these basic things for yourself. When you feel like you become the source of all this stuff, you see this stuff differently. Don't use them paper towels. We got a cloth rag right over here. Like, that cloth rag is paid for, okay? The paper towels, don't be doing that. Have you seen the press paper towels right now? That bald-headed bounty man, man, he be expensive for in a mug right now. Like, leave the paper towel alone, get that wash rag. We think about it differently. You'll be getting carpal tunnel because you squeeze the toothpaste tube so tight, trying to get every last morsel. You slice that junk open like it's surgery. Be wiping your toothbrush around to get all the toothpaste out. Some of y'all didn't know you could slice it open. You slice it open to get a little extra toothpaste out. Because all of a sudden now you're the one providing for those things. You see it differently. You ain't worried if none of that's on you. But when that's on you, you worry about it all the time the reason you're always worried about what you have and don't have, even once you get something good is because you believe you're your source and you're worried whether or not your source can provide that again. When you worry about what you shouldn't worry about, hear me, you can't seek what you should be seeking. The reason Jesus says, that God will provide everything you need is to give you assurance that if you really would seek first his kingdom and really would seek first his righteousness, if you really would prioritize his kingdom, prioritize his authority, if you really would let his way be your way, God really will take care of what you need. The problem is most of us are so consumed with taking care of what we need, we can't seek first his kingdom. We can't seek first his righteousness because we're so worried because we believe we're our source. But hear me, God understands your needs and God can meet your needs, but God can't make you seek him first. That's why Jesus gives this as a call. He gives us as a challenge. You should seek first the kingdom of God. You should. Seek first the righteousness of God. Practice his way. Come under his authority. And just like those wildflowers in the field are cared for, he's going to care for you. Just like every bird in the air has what they need, he's going to care for you. Some of you today, if I could be so bold as to challenge you, you need to stop being mad that God hasn't provided if you haven't prioritized. You need to stop being mad because someone's like to get mad at God talking about, I prayed and God didn't. You need to ask yourself, have I prioritized what He said prioritize? Have I, have I practiced what He said practice? Because if you haven't practiced what He said practice, why should He provide when He said prioritizing precedes provision? Because you're always going to worry as long as you're the source. But you'll never worry as long as you're the steward. See, this is the invitation that Jesus gives to us in this promise. God will get you everything you need, not everything you want, everything you need. So you may have hopes and dreams, but God may say, this is what you need. This is what I can trust you with. This is what I want you to use. I've blessed you with this because you you can handle this. You see, we are to seek what he says and steward what he supplies. But most of us just want to seek what he supplies. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things will be provided for you. But today I want to leave you just with this simple thought. Because seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness really is a daily decision. Because as human beings, we're always going to work. We're always gonna have this this stress. I don't know if I should, or I don't know if I can, or what's gonna happen tomorrow? And Jesus said, people without faith live like that. You seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first his righteousness. Everything you need, he will take care of for you. You see, you won't stop worrying until you start seeking. So my prayer for you today that you hang on to and carry into tomorrow and the next day and the next day. is that you would wake up every day and say, God, today I'm going to seek you first. Come on. Would you even pray that right now, wherever you are? God, today I seek you first. God, today I prioritize you. God, help me to. Come under your authority. Help me to trust your ways. And as I do that, I I, I know, because your word says, you're going to take care of me. And so I put my care in your hands because I'm going to be someone who seeks you first. Because I know that I know you will take care of me. We pray all this, Jesus, in your powerful and precious name. Amen.